Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. The things that keep you from obeying Christ's commands are strong candidates to become idols. What keeps you from being and doing all God wants you to be and do? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a girlfriend? Is it a family? Is it a job? Is it a hobby? What's that strong candidate for an idol in your life that maybe is running a close second to God? Anytime you allow a person, a position, or a product to become an idol, it will leave you with some consequences you might not have expected. Today we learn from Pastor Ed that idols will dominate, disappoint, and deform you. In other words, you can be transformed into the image of God if He's who you worship, or you'll deform into the idol, threatening to consume your heart and mind. Listen in to learn that you can't distort the image of God without it making a negative impact on the life you live. Now here's Pastor Ed in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 5, with his continuing study entitled, The Second Commandment. God would judge sin. And all those who did not repent. And now she responded in this way. Oh my God would never do that. And his reply was this. Ma'am, you're right. Your God would never do that. The problem is, is that your God doesn't exist. We can create a God that simply doesn't exist. Psalm 50. Go back to that passage of scripture. Let me read that verse again and then a previous verse. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and accuse you to your face. See, they were living a lie and trying to worship God. They were involved in all these things that God was displeased with, and yet at the same time, they thought that they were acceptable to God simply because God didn't judge them. Sometimes we make the mistake because God seems to be silent because He isn't judging sin, and apparently to us, we think that He's not there. He is. He is. Listen to what Psalm 50 verse 17 says. Several verses before. You hate my instruction and you cast my words behind you. What the psalmist was saying is that they didn't want to hear God's word. They wanted to fabricate a God out of their own fallen heart. And God was saying, no, let my word explode in your heart. And it will explode those idols that you fall down and worship. Let my word reveal to you who I am and what I'm like. And then you'll know how to worship me according to truth. Worship me in spirit and in truth. God calls us to worship him according to who he is. He's building a bridge to us, not a wall. He's saying, here's how you walk into this relationship. Here's how you develop this relationship. Here's how you come into this relationship. Don't make any idols. You look at what happens. And God said, don't make any images. Because our hearts are drawn to those things. Our emotions are drawn to those things. We tend to deceive ourselves. Worship of God demands that we worship Him His way, not will worship. That's what the second commandment is dealing with. It's saying, worship Jehovah, worship Yahweh, Yahweh's way. No will worship. I'm going to worship God my way. No, no, no. Psalm 94, 7 says, 
The Lord isn't looking, they say. And besides, the God of Israel doesn't care. Oh yes, God does care. He cares about the laws of our land. He cares about what we do and what we don't do. He cares about all of that because it seems like he is silent. Doesn't mean he doesn't know, hear, and see. There's a quote. In idolatry, we have the sin of fallen man trying to fashion God into his own image rather than allowing God to fashion man into God's image. God wants to mold us and shape us to be like his son Jesus. But when we have idols, we're molding and fashioning him to be like us. God said, no images, material or mental. No images made with the hand or made with the heart and understanding. God says, don't worship idols. Don't make idols. Don't worship idols. In verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. I want you to picture our congregation having a wonderful fellowship. We're all in the fellowship hall. Now the masks have come down. Our guard has come down. And we're just frank with one another, open with one another. And so one brother talks to another, brother, tell me what your idol is. Oh, my idol is that new car I've scrimped and saved for and I've purchased it. I give it offerings of water and wax and polish. I just love to sit in that car and listen to it idle. Now, sister, what's your idol? Oh, my idol is my house. My drapes and my rugs are coordinated so beautifully. (laughs) Everything is always so clean. And the furniture is the best. And I make sure the kids don't stay in the house too long. I send them outside, lest they make a mess of it. And it rewards me with the envy of my neighbors. Brother, what's your idol? Oh, my idol is my job. I spend long hours. And I work hard. And it rewards me with bonuses. And the acclaim of my colleagues. Sister, what's your idol? Oh, my idol is my church. What a beautiful church we have. We give to missions and we're recognized by our denomination. And our choir sings so beautifully. And you can hear our soloist and our pastor preaches very interesting sermons. (laughs) What's your idol, brother? Oh, my idol is my ministry. I give so much time to it. What's your idol? Your family? Your money? Your job? Brother, sister, what's your idol? God said, I want no idols in your life. None. 
the things that keep you from obeying Christ's commands are strong candidates to become idols. What keeps you from being and doing all God wants you to be and do? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a girlfriend? Is it a family? Is it a job? Is it a hobby? What's that strong candidate for an idol in your life that maybe is running a close second to God? Don't make idols. Don't worship idols. Don't miscalculate God's reaction. In verses 5 to 6, listen to his reaction. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Hmm. Imagine a husband seeing his wife love another man. That man would be provoked to jealousy. God is saying, I'm provoked to jealousy when you love something more than me or something is competing with me in your life. God is a jealous God. He will brook no rival. He wants your devotion 100%. He wants your heart affections 100%. He wants all of you to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with your total being. He punishes the children for sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. In Christian counseling and secular counseling, they talk about family patterns, generational patterns. When we disobey God, there can be all sorts of problems that we are giving to our children. But when we obey God, we speak blessing into our posterity. I sometimes think my mother's prayers, my father-in-law and mother-in-law's prayers, their godly life has come down to bless me and my children. God blesses the generations. Uh, that's why when God was ready to judge Solomon and judge other kings... He stopped because he remembered David, their father. The greatest gift that you can give your children, the greatest gift that you can give your posterity is a godly and holy life, doing the will of God. It will bless your children beyond your lifetime. So God is saying that he wants us to walk in grace. Remember in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 32, uh, the people had lost themselves in idolatrous worship, and God sent the Levites among them to destroy and kill their brothers. See, God takes idolatry serious. It's not something he winks his eye at. It's not something he turns the other way and doesn't look at. God wants us to avoid idolatry, to not make anything with our hands or with our heart that is unworthy of him. No, no, no. If God wanted us to have a picture of Jesus, he would have had one of the apostles be an artist. God sent poets and prophets, and that word for us teaches us what God is like. Now, we have to experience those words. I remember growing up in the Catholic Church, hearing the Apostles' Creed, hearing the liturgy, truth was spoken, but those words had no meaning to me. There was no life in them. Words can be empty without experiencing them. 
You could hear the word fear, anger, love, joy, peace. But until you experience those words, they're just empty symbols. God is wanting us to experience Him in and through His Word. We encounter Him through that living Word, that spoken Word, that written Word. God speaks against all idolatry, and He tells us of the dangers of idolatry, the dangers. We not only see the denunciation of idolatry, He tells us, don't make idols, don't worship idols, don't underestimate or miscalculate God's reaction to them. But the danger of idols, idols will disappoint you. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 18. What have you gained by worshiping all your man-made idols? How foolish to trust in something made by your own hands. What fools you are to believe such lies. You ask speechless stone images to tell you what to do. Can an idol speak for God? They are lifeless inside. We have so many idols that our culture worships at. If you own this designer set of jeans or clothing, that's it. If you drive this type of car, if you have this type of home, if you have these possessions, the truth of the matter is they never deliver. They never deliver. Make incredible promises. How many things did you think, oh, I can't wait until I get that. Can't wait until I have that. And now it's laying somewhere in the attic or down in the basement or out in the garage. It's not things. It's God. See, things don't give you the ability to enjoy life. It's an impossibility. Write it down. Remember it. Ecclesiastes tells us that to enjoy life is a gift from God. He gives you the ability to enjoy life. Without that gift of the ability to enjoy life, you could be a Bill Gates and have as much money and as much influence and success as he has, has and not enjoy life. You could be a missionary with so very little and yet be filled with such joy, peace, and happiness because God has given you the ability to enjoy life. Don't make the mistake that things will satisfy you. In Jeremiah 10, 14, it says this, Those who make idols are delusioned because the gods they made are false and lifeless. In Isaiah chapter 44, verses 9a and 20, it says, All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. What it's saying at this text is this. Worshiping an idol is like living on a diet of ashes. Now imagine if your spouse turned the three burnt offerings a day you received as a meal into just ashes and you lived on that for a month. Well, you'd lose a lot of weight. But you would be malnourished. What happens is when people worship idols, their soul starves and withers up. You will be disappointed if the pursuit of your life is the pursuit 
of idols that never can satisfy. Oh, if I get this position. Oh, if I have this degree. Oh, if I have this bank account. Oh, if I have this person, whatever. The list goes on and on. Anytime we make a person, a position, a product, an idol, it will leave us empty. It will leave us empty. Idols will dominate you. They will disappoint you and they will dominate you. In 1 Corinthians 12, 2, it says this, you know that when you were pagan somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. What happens is when we worship something, it controls us. If your job is your idol, it's going to control you. If sex is your God, it's going to dominate and control you. If something is your God, it's going to addict you to it. Think of what Paul is saying. People controlled by their idols. Controlled by things. Rather than controlling things, they're controlled by those things. Controlled by a job. Controlled by money. Controlled by others. Some people have sold their integrity for fame. They have thrown out their convictions and compromised. And their idol has taken control of their lives. So idols will dominate you. Idols will disappoint you. Idols will deform you. Those who make idols become like them. What happens is when you worship an idol, you become like that idol. It will deform you. We were all made in the image of God. That image of God is distorted in us when we worship anything other than God. That's why our nation, I believe, is in such trouble. As we push God aside, as we walk away from Him, as we neglect Him, as we reject Him, we're losing and distorting and damaging the image of God in humanity. And when we do that, we behave more and more like animals. Governed by passions, governed by feelings, governed by emotions, governed by the prince and power of this world. We lose the image of God. It becomes defaced in us. But the closer we get to God, the more we reflect His kindness and justice and righteousness and goodness. That image is restored in us when we worship God as God is. Something happens inside. There is a transformation that takes place. That's why some people who go to church week after week, who are in a Christian influence, sometimes never change because they have an inadequate understanding of God. They cast that word of God behind them, offer the worship to God, but yet they haven't controlled their tongue, they haven't controlled their mind, they haven't controlled their desires. They have sat and worshipped idols And that image of God is lost. But when we worship the one and true God, we look more and more like Him. More and more righteousness controls us. Justice controls us. Goodness controls us. God's nature is seen in us. Idols will deform you. The image of God lost, deformed, destroyed. Idols will destroy you. Going back to Exodus chapter 32. There is Aaron. At the bottom of the mount, Moses has been up there a long time. And he wants to make an idol. 
Now, mind you, this idol was to represent Yahweh. It was to represent Jehovah. He made it, yes, in the form of a bull, but the bull represented strength and power and might. And so somehow he wanted to represent Jehovah as someone strong and mighty and powerful because they had been released from the bondage of Egypt. They had been released from all of the powers of Pharaoh. And so as they made that golden image and they were going to worship Yahweh and that represented Yahweh to them. Watch what happens. First they're worshiping and then they're in revelry in just a short time afterwards and they're in sin. You cannot distort the image of God without it impacting the life that you live. And God was saying, Images, idols will destroy you. Jonah said it this way. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You worship an idol, you forfeit the grace that could be yours. The nation was thrust into war. They were being defeated by the Philistines. They said to the priest, bring the Ark of the Covenant into battle. That's a symbol of God's presence. They brought the Ark. And as they brought the Ark into the camp in 1 Samuel chapter 4, you could hear the applause. You could hear the roar of celebration. They thought the victory is with us. And they went into the battle. Hophni and Phinehas, the two priests, are fallen in battle. They're dead. Israel is defeated. The ark is captured. They thought the symbol of his presence was his presence. It's not. God cannot, God will not be controlled. He has a mind all his own. He is sovereign. There are churches across our land that once stood as places of worship where the whole nation looked to, where the word was preached from the pulpit, where the work of the church was impacting the community, but now they're empty, mere monuments to the past. Solomon said, God does not dwell in houses made with man. When the people sinned, the presence of God left the house of worship. You cannot control God. All you can do is serve Him. You were meant to be His servant. He was not meant to be your genie. He was not meant to be your servant. He was not meant to be someone who moved at your bidding. God is God all by Himself. One last quote. Where idolatry ends, their Christianity begins. Where idolatry begins, their Christianity ends. Brother, sister, what's your idol? What's your idol? What do you worship? Family? Money? Possessions? Job? Church? Ministry? Cast it all aside and worship God alone in the way He prescribed worship to be. They that worship Him will worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
according to the book, according to his word, according to what he told us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's in-depth study of the Ten Commandments. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Ten Commandments right here on Voice of Faith.